Welcome back to Elevator Inspiration for Sunday School. We are, like I said last week, we are continuing our lesson talking about Stephen. The subject is Stephen's martyrdom. This is lesson seven. It's going to be taught on October the 16th, 2022. We are still in the Cogent Legacy series. Let's get started. So my question I want you to think about as we go through this lesson is this. How is the believer, correction, how is the believers transitioning different from non-believers? I, I really want to think about that, especially as we get towards the end of this lesson and we look at Stephen and we look at his transition. So how is the believers transitioning different from non-believers? All right, we actually have three outlines. And uh, the first outline is the conclusion of Stephen's death. Now, remember now, last week we ended with the high priest questioning Stephen more like, what is your defense? Okay, now we're in Acts, the seventh chapter, verses 51 through 53. I want to emphasize this right here. At the beginning of chapter seven, even though our lesson don't go into it, it opens with Stephen's brilliant defense of what he believed, which was really the same as the history of the, of the Jewish people. He begins by appealing to them about Abraham and Abraham long faith. Remember now, he left his country uh, of Oz. Oz, I think I'm saying that right. Um, and he even left his father's house in Hebron. To go into a land that he has never been for, that's the land of Cana. Even though he was childless, he believed God that he was going to have descendants just like God promised. And then he goes to another patriarch who is Joseph. Remember Joseph? Sold into slavery by his brothers. But Joseph was a man of faith too, who obeyed God and God fulfilled every promise to him. So Stephen contrasts Joseph with the members of the Sanhedrin who refused to obey God because they fear the changes will interfere with their livelihood and most of all, their affluence. And then next, he looked at Moses. Oh boy, remember they condemned him when Moses said he blasphemed against Moses in the commandments. Stephen argued that Moses failed when he acted according to what he seemed right in his own eyes and according to his own wisdom. But when God appeared, he instructed and empowered Moses and Moses returned to Egypt and became a deliverer. He answered their charges by quoting Moses himself. He said, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people and you can look at that in Deuteronomy 18 and 15. And then he, he answered his second charge. Remember that second charge about destroying the temple? He even quoted to them Isaiah 66, 1 and 2 by stating, Heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. What house will ye build me, says the Lord? What is the place of my rest? Hath not my hand made all these things? So no building, and I want to say that again, no building can contain God. God is the creator of all things. So he, he sets that up. 
Now, as we go into our lesson, I want you to look at what he does here. Okay? Stephen witnessed to his people. And I want you to look at verse 51. Verse 51 says, And ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did, so do you. I like that. He calls them stiff-necked. God used that same term talking to the people of Israel. He called them uncircumcised. Here we have the members of the Sanhedrin Council. Truly, they were circumcised. You know, because each one of them, I guarantee you, was circumcised according, according to the law of Moses on the eighth day. Remember Paul said those same things? Hey, of a, of a Jew, you know, I was circumcised the eighth day. So he says to them, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you do always resist the Holy Ghost, the leading of God's spirit, as your father did, so do you. And in verse 52, which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted? Oh, think about Jeremiah. Think about Ezekiel. Think about Isaiah. Which of the prophets have your fathers not persecuted? They have slain them which show you before of the coming of the just one, of whom you have been now the betrayers and murderers. Oh boy, he identifies. He tells them exactly who they are all referring to Jesus Christ. And in those verse 53, who have received the law by the disposition of angels and you have not even kept it. I like that. <laughs> Here you are talking about the law. You yourselves have not even kept that law. So what is my takeaway from this? Think about this now. When you follow religious rituals, I want to say that again, religious rituals, Without a spiritual connection, you will find yourself hard-headed because you will resist the urging of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, the same individual who accused Stephen became actual the lawbreakers. The accused had become the accuser. The accused had become the accuser. That's amazing when you think about that. So when I have my Zoom session, I want to focus on this question here. How can one practice church rituals while seeking new opportunities to grow? Think about the post-pandemic options. I want you to just think about that. You know, I hear amongst my brethren is that people are not coming to church. Hmm, something to think about. And are we condemning them because they don't show up for church? Are we into the rituals? Okay, wait, I'm going to stop right there. I'm going to stop. <laughs> All right, the next outline. The next outline is response to the message, to Stephen's message. So how did they respond when he delivered this message to them? First of all, I want to say they refused to hear. Look at verse 54. When they heard these things, they were cut to heart. They gnashed on him with their teeth. So verse 54 is actually a reflection of the hatred being built up in them. It used the word gnash on him with their teeth. That shows the, the hatred that is being built up. 
they were cut to their heart. Notice verse 55. It says, but he being full of the Holy Ghost. And again, that's having reference to, I want to highlight, put my cursor there and show you. That's having reference to being full of the Holy Ghost. The control that Stephen had was not of himself. It was the Holy Ghost that controlled him. Looked up steadfastly into heaven, saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. I like that. Jesus standing on the right hand of God. And, but notice this now. In verse 56, it actually tells you what he says. And he said, this is Stephen, words coming out of his mouth. Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Okay, now, let's, let's dig into that for a few minutes. While Jesus was standing instead of sitting at God's right hand. Remember now what Luke, and again, Luke is writing nights. Luke wrote in the Gospels, Hereafter shall the Son of Man sit on the right hand of the power of God. That's Luke 22 and 69. So it expressed a symbolism of the authority given to Christ. Now the vision of Jesus standing invokes many possible interpretation. So, so now, not he's not sitting. What Stephen is saying that he is standing. Now, one interpretation is this right here. It he is quoting Daniel seven thirteen, and it states, "I saw in a night vision, and behold, one like the Son of Man." came with the clouds of heaven, came in the ancient of days, and they brought him near before him. So what he's doing is identifying the one that you have crucified. Daniel spoke of him that he is the one that came amongst us. And now there he is standing, now being presented to God. <laughs> now, another is that Christ was standing either as Stephen advocate or to welcome him into his presence. You know, I like that version because I think, now even though I, I'm not going to dispute that Daniel 7.13 is not being prophesied here also, but also like what he's doing is you think about this. I play sports and when I see a great play, either on the basketball court or on the football field, I want to stand and recognize what a great job that is. And I think Jesus is standing here doing the same thing, recognizing what Stephen is doing. Father, I got one just like, like me. Look at him right now. He's getting ready to do exactly, give his life for us. I like that. All right, in the next outline, is we have Stephen becomes a martyr, okay? And in verse 57 says, and then they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears, and ran upon him with one accord. Now that verse, what we're seeing here is an orchestrated mob. But these are educated individuals. Know the law. These are religious individuals, but they all turns into a mob. The actions here, look at the actions. The first one, let me see, can I highlight it? The first one is they cried out 
with a loud voice. Wow. Emotions are really rising here. They stopped their ears. They did not want to hear what he was saying. And then they ran upon him together, one accord. They rushed him. They stopped him. And look at the next verse, 58. They cast him out of the city. Can you imagine with so much anger, with so much rage, they picked Stephen, carried him out of the temple, into the city, throw them down, and then notice, and stone him. What's interesting is this right here, this next phrase here. It says, the witness laid down their clothes at the young man's feet, whose name was Saul. Now, witnesses, in Deuteronomy 17 and 7, it says, now, you that are witnesses, cast the first stone. Remember, Jesus said that with, with the lady that was caught in adultery, Ye that have no sin, that's right, I think he said, ye that have no sin, cast the first stone. In other words, the accusers that saw this, who themselves have not sinned, they need to cast the first stone. And they couldn't do it. The ones that had actually saw the act, even though they claimed they saw the act, we know they didn't see anything because you had to have three witnesses, two to three witnesses, the one, the person to actually see it. So we know it was a conspiracy. And this is what it's saying here. It says the witnesses laid down their clothes at Saul's feet. They cast the first stone. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God, and that's Stephen, saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, and Lord, lay not this sin to their charge, saying the same thing that Jesus, only the Holy Spirit can allow you to do that. And I like how, they end, how this ends. It says, he fell asleep. Not that he died, but he fell asleep. The ones that are saved, believers in Christ, will just fall asleep, resting. Okay? And then the next outline, correction, the next verse, it says, And Saul was consenting unto his death. You know, I want to put the other thing here, and this is not in our lesson, I just want to read this. It says, And at that time there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the region of Judea, Samaria, except the apostles. So we have the spreading abroad of the gospel. So my takeaway is this right here. This is my takeaway. God never wastes the blood of his saints. Think about that. God never wastes the blood of his saints. See, the persecution that began with Stephen murder forced men of the church to flee Jerusalem and take the gospel to the furthest part of then the known world because God never wastes the blood of his saints. Okay, I got two more Zoom questions that we're going to discuss on Sunday. After studying life of Stephen, how do you view the responsibility of deacons, whether their duties begin and end with the business of the local church? Because remember now, Stephen was a deacon. How much responsibility do deacons have in the community they serve and to unbelievers? And then what might be some examples of these responsibilities? All right, you all. Hey, 
that's my lesson. So what did I learn from this? I know I'm going over a little bit, but I really like this. When you think about it, when we sum it up, the religious leaders had brought Stephen to trial. Okay? He condemned them with the very strip that they possessed to believe. Like the men of the synagogue that we had last week, the Libertine or the Freehand, uh, the, uh, the Freeman Synagogue, they could not argue with his testimony. So consequently, these enraged Jews cried out at the top of their voice and put their hands upon their ears in vain attempt to drown out Stephen's voice. When confronted with the truth of Christ, one must neither submit, must either submit or resist. So the Jewish leaders and Stephen accusers decided to resist. Like their forefathers, instead of heeding the word of God's prophet, they killed him. The respectable Sanhedrin council turned into an unruly mob, rushed at Stephen, dragged him outside of the city gates, and they threw him down and killed him with stones, thinking that they were doing what was right. So what did I learn from this? This is what I learned. Stephen received a glimpse of heaven before he died. He looked up and he saw heaven. I believe this is one of the glorious privileges that God gives to faithful believers as they transition from earth to heaven. I witnessed the transition of my father and I noticed a facial peace that he displayed at that moment. Likewise, I too want that glimpse. I want to glimpse a glimpse of heaven and see my Lord standing ready to deliver these words, well done, my faithful servant. So remember now, when we're faced with Jesus, my thought to remember is one must either submit or resist. Jesus. Let's just take a few moments here and just reflect on what we talked about. The key verses, they stoned Stephen, calling upon God, and that's Stephen, and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. You know, each one of us will have to transition unless we're caught up in the rapture. When you think about that time of transition, will I be able to say those words? Lord Jesus, receive spirit? Will I be able to look and get a glimpse of heaven? And will I see Jesus standing by the Father saying like he said to Stephen or what I believe he said to Stephen. Let me emphasize that. Well done. Well done. Let's have an attitude that we have more to life than what we see right now. That is important that we be obedient and be witnesses for Christ. That we do not go after our selfish intention, 
but we'll be willing to follow God and teach you. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for all the examples of a true believer like Stephen. Give us the power that we need to live for you and witness to others. Allow us to fulfill your intention order because we desire to see you, Jesus, standing by the Father as approval of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you all. Like I always say, see you next. See you in Sunday school.